Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. It's been a busy week. We had a couple of baptisms last week after the, the service, the morning service. And we had um, relationship week this whole week, and seen some of you, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at least, seen some of you regularly, and it was a really great time just entering into the presence of the Lord, just allowing Him hopefully to speak to us, encourage us. It's been good getting some feedback how God has been encouraging us around His purpose and His plans for relationships. On Monday evening, we took a little bit of time and kind of we thought, what was God thinking when he brought a man and a woman together. Because contrary to some popular belief, he was thinking. And God had a clear plan and a, a clear reason. And we looked a little bit at, at the why behind relationships, sort of God's original design. And the idea there is that if we can understand why God initiated this whole relationship thing, what is his purpose in it, then it's easier for us to run in the same direction that he is going to know what it is that he wants to do. On Tuesday, we spoke about the right time and the fact that there is a time for every season under heaven, and there are a couple of things that need to happen for us, for example, to be able to sit like Gareth and Laura here with lovely little wedding rings on our fingers. There are a couple of things that need to fall into place, and two of those would be we need the right time and the right person to converge. And we took a bit of time on Tuesday evening, and we said, well, what are we doing as we are waiting for the right time? What are we doing in that waiting? How are we preparing? And some of us would pray in that time, and it's not necessarily a bad prayer. We'd be praying, God, I want to find the best spouse on the planet. Has anybody ever prayed that prayer? Well done. That's a good prayer to pray. You should be praying that, and hopefully your parents have been praying that prayer for you as well. But at the same time, our hearts should as much be just as much as we are seeking to find the best spouse. We should be saying, God, I want to be the best spouse. And in our singleness, in our time of waiting, you may not have realized this yet, but here's a quick, here's a quick news flash. While you are waiting, there is very, very little that you can do about your future spouse. You can pray for them. That's a good thing to do. But there is a lot that you can do about their future spouse, which would be you, about your character and your growth, and to take that time and really to press into God's purposes, to grow. And we spoke about that quite a little bit on Tuesday evening. And sort of through the course of the week, something that we tried to stress is God is into marriage. God is for marriage. God wants marriage. God, this whole idea of relationship is a God thing. It's not like somewhere some people sat together and said, hey, why? I've got the crazy idea, sitting around a campfire one night, 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago. Hey, I've got an idea. Why don't I decide? I don't know why no one's ever thought about this before. You see that girl over there. I'm going to pursue a relationship with her. And we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. I can't believe no one has ever thought of that before. It didn't work like that. 
from the very first time God brought Adam and Eve together, man and woman. He had a purpose and he had a plan and he was in it. On Wednesday, we spoke a little bit about the type of relationship, I believe, that would attract God's favor and His presence, are conducting our relationship in, in a way that is holy and that is pure before Him. We focused on the, the kind of the sexual element, that side of it, the heart behind God's purpose in that, bringing us to a place where we're saying, God, we want You, Your presence in our lives. This evening, I'm wanting us to think a little bit about the right person. We want the right time and the right person. They need to converge. But before we do that, as we were, were praying, I sensed in a time of prayer, as we were praying God before every service, the mornings and the evenings, and as we were praying, I sensed the Lord just dropping to my heart that He is the right person. That for every one of us here, He is the right person. And I honestly want to say from the very depth of my heart that no human you will ever meet or can ever meet, no human relationship that you can ever find will meet that void in your heart and in your life that only God can. And one of the biggest disservices you can be, you can do to any spouse is to expect them to be God in your life. That is a weight, that is a burden, that is an expectation that they cannot ever fulfill. And you are always going to leave every moment of that relationship, you're going to leave disappointed because they can't meet that need. And until we've come to that place where we've allowed Jesus to be that everything and Him to meet that need, we are going to really struggle in any relationship because our expectation is going to be unfair about the other person. The flip side as well is we need to develop that relationship with Jesus so that we can be so secure in our relationship. I am really convinced, I'm using Gareth and Laura because Yaku at the back there is married. And I, Is there anyone else? And at the back we've got one more married person. The rest of us, I, I think this evening, we're all single. Are we? Any single people around? Uh, okay, now's a good time to look around. Okay. Keep the hands raised, look around. Who, is, who else is single? But I'm really sure that if I were to ask Gareth or Laura if they are okay being number two in their spouse's life, they would probably say, I prefer it that way. I am very comfortable and very happy with the fact that my spouse has a greater love in her life than me, Jesus. That He is first and foremost, and that just takes such a weight and such a burden off of our relationships. So I want us to read here a verse most of us probably know pretty well. And this evening, we're not going to have a whole bunch of Scripture. So let me kind of just put that right up there at front. This evening, I try not to do this very often. But this evening, I'm, I'm not really going to be teaching doctrine. What I mean by that, this evening, if you really want to disagree with me, you're more than welcome to disagree with me. This evening, I'm going to be sharing some hopefully informed opinion. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit, I guess, like Paul when he writes to some of the churches, and at some stage he says, and therefore I, not the Lord, say. And then he says, and now the Lord says, and he says, now I say. But this evening, we don't do this very often, but I guess we're a little bit in the realm of what I say more than what God says. So we're not going to have a stack of Scriptures. I'm not going to try and motivate every point I make with Scripture. I'm just going to try and somehow 
bring upon some of the life experience I've picked up in my marriage, speaking with friends, sharing the joys and the struggles in their marriages, doing some marriage counseling over the years, and seeing many, many young people find their marriage partner and decide to get married. And having been through that, I've, I've learned some things, and I believe it accords with biblical wisdom. So I'm sharing a little bit from that, but I want us still to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. A passage most of us probably know well. And You know, I've got three daughters as well. I think some of, most of us know that. Three little girls. The eldest one is now 11, and the youngest one is now 8. And they loved... A little bit less now, fortunately, the Lord is slowly delivering me. But there was a phase where they loved Barbie movies. We could talk Barbie movies all night. I know those Barbie movies always as well as my daughters know the Barbie movies and can quote them. But you know, there's something so just fascinating for me about the Barbie movies. Perhaps the, the slightly new... But a new one came out like a week or two ago. We've watched that. Don't worry. <laughs> but especially the, the earlier ones. The new ones are a little bit slightly different in, in that sense. But especially the earlier Barbies, they have a unique storyline in that at the end of every Barbie movie, guess what happens? Barbie marries Ken. Fortunately, it's always Barbie always marrying Ken. So kind of my kids aren't confused about the multiple husband, multiple wife type of thing. But it's amazing how that's sort of born into, especially the ladies. I, I don't think as, you know, I mean, my kids, do you know what they play when they play with their friends? Not always for theme thing that run concert, you know what, somebody has to get married. There's always this marriage theme thing that runs through. I remember doing a wedding for a girl. She got married at 21 years old. Precious girl, amazing couple, and... Um, 21 years old when she got married. She stands up and she does her speech. And in her wedding speech, she says, Mom, I want to thank you so much, which is a really good to, thing to do in the wedding speech, for being with me and crying through the nights with me, for listen to this, because I didn't know where I'd be able to find a husband. I'm sitting there at the table listening to this, like, wait. <laughs> You're 21 years old, getting married. When and where did you sit and cry through the night because you find a husband? And yet it's a thing so birthed inside that she has this dream, this desire from a young age and this fear, I'm not going to get married. I shared this with the, um, with the, the people during the week, and maybe just put this out there. For some of us, we grew up in a, a church environment and a church culture, which is a little bit abnormal in the sense. Not right, not wrong, just different. Some of us think kind of by the age of 23 in church, if I haven't married, it's too late. The average age, close enough. The average age of weddings, not weddings, of marriages, first-time marriages, for ladies in South Africa, and the last statistics of Africa report on marriages and divorce in the year 2019, that's the most up-to-date stat we have at the moment, 32 years old, 35 for men, 
Most of us in this room who are unmarried, we are still below the median. And for every 20, 21, 22-year-old that gets married, then kind of it's sort of a normal distribution. In other words, for every 20, 21, 22-year-old that gets married, there is a 42, 43, 44-year-old that gets married. And that is perfectly normal. We all have different right times, different times in which the seasons come to. So I want to just break that lie that says if yesterday was your 22nd birthday and you've missed it, it's never going to happen. It is. Hold on to that. Always, we need to throw this in here. Scripture does say that there is a gift that God gives to certain people to have no desire for marriage. And if you are sitting here and there is no desire in your heart for marriage, and it comes from a place of wholeness, not from a place of I've been wounded and hurt, then embrace that and run with it and don't even feel guilty about it. But most likely, most of us who are sitting here, we do register that our desire. We do have the thing inside of us that says, I would love to get married. Some of us one day, some of us tomorrow, but you know, somewhere there, we would love that. Hold on to that. Trust God for it. There's no reason He can't make it come to pass. And you know, I grew up, and for, and for me, just it's just weird how God is in His ways. He's wise and beautiful and not going to doubt Him in any way. But sometimes I would think, I would have done things differently if I was God. Fortunately, I'm not God because the world would be a total catastrophe. But if I had been God, I would have done things differently. I grew up in a family we were with four boys. I didn't have a single sister. Now I live in a home with three daughters. I have no clue what's happening. It's like an adventure every day, figuring out how this of them that I works at every age group. So it's interesting enough discovering my wife, and I've got three of them that I get to figure out what is actually happening here because it is just so different, and it is beautiful, and it is precious. And I actually said that for a reason, and I've forgotten what it was. Oh, there is, in ladies more than guys, some guys very much have it, I'm very much generalizing here, but there is this romanticism, this idea that I'm going to find someone and I'm going to fall in love with them and that's going to be enough. And I'm just going to be in love with them and as long as I'm in love with them enough, you know, this whole bohemian type of, do you believe in love? I don't know if you guys ever watched the Moulin Rouge and I believe in love and love is enough. I've got great news for you tonight. Love is beautiful and love is precious. Love is necessary, but it is not sufficient. We need to have love for one another. But for us to have a marriage that works and a marriage that lasts, and don't worry too much about those fears, just banish those fears in Jesus' name about your marriage not working. I come from a family. My parents were divorced when I was late in high school. My dad was divorced a second time as well, married a third time, and I had to wrestle with that at one same stage to say, I'm not going to walk in that. God had to rewire and reprogram me a lot about relationships because the example I had was absolutely broken. But we don't have to walk in that which had gone. So banish those fears. We do a great marriage preparation course. I'm so thankful. I've done, I don't know, I haven't counted recently, probably 60 weddings by now or something along those lines, maybe even more, somewhere in that ballpark. And I am so thankful to God that out of those couples, I know of one that has been divorced. Not 100%, sadly. But one out of 60 is very, very different to the worldly norm. 
and perhaps I can say that one out of 60 did get divorced. They didn't go through our marriage preparation program. They had a little side thing type of stuff. And don't have to worry about divorce if you do it the right way. Relationship, watch what first grows fears, but know also that for you to have a thriving, flourishing relationship, watch what First Corinthians 13 says here. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And so I want us to think this evening about faith, hope, and love in our relationships. You see, love covers a multitude of sins. I don't know if we should use this, but let me just say this anyway. But guess what? No matter how much you love a loser, he's still a loser. No matter how much you love a person of no character, they're still a person of no character. No matter you, how much you like the floor, it's still how much you love some person with a significant character floor, they've still got that significant character floor. And sometimes, especially on the ladies' side, and I'm praying for my goals that God would deliver them from this early, we go into this relationship thing where we're all starry-eyed, and we think, as, if I'm just in love enough, it's enough. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying the in love mustn't be there. It must be there. But there needs this form of sobriety as well. We need faith and hope underpinning that love as well. So if we're thinking about faith, perhaps some of the questions that we can ask ourselves is, firstly, does this person inspire faith in me? If we're walking a road with someone, and my philosophy about this is every single relationship, romantic relationship, that we enter into should ask one question. The whole is, do I want to spend the rest of my life with this person? And a successful relationship is a relationship that answers that question. The answer can be yes and the answer can be no. If you're in a relationship with somebody and you realize this is not the person I want to spend the rest of my life with, guess what? It was a successful relationship. Because you went into the relationship with a strong suspicion, this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with, but I've realized I haven't. I've answered the question. And then don't be foolish. Then tell them immediately. We think it's going to get easier later. I promise you it doesn't. I've been through that on both sides, the receiving and the giving side. The moment we realize this is not it, you've answered it. That relationship has served its purpose, and I can promise you from the moment you realize that, that relationship is going one way. And the quicker you step in in love and in grace with respect to the other person, step away from it, the less damage there will be for everyone involved. Okay, so we want to answer that question. So here's a great question as we're pursuing this, as we're getting to know this person. And I've been saying throughout the week, we've got a podcast. There is way too much to say about relationships, to say it sort of in one or two sermons or even a week. So if you haven't yet, you can go to your favorite podcast provider, whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, or Google Podcasts, or whatever it is, and just search Show for Pretoria Relationships, and you'll find our relationship podcast. And there are a bunch of episodes there. And in the next week or two, I'll be adding some more episodes which you can listen to over the years, different speakers, just helping you, helping us to grow in doing relationships well. 
But here's a great question that we want to ask ourselves in that. This person, my being with them, around them, connected to them, do they inspire faith in Jesus? Am I drawn closer to Jesus because of them? And to my mind, that is the first question, and that's a deal breaker. Some of the other things we mentioned we can live with, we should just be aware of them. But that is question number one. If this person, their conduct, my being around them, doesn't inspire me to love Jesus more, if my conversation with them doesn't push me closer and closer to Christ, I seriously have to ask, is this the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with? We are, I'm not even sure where we are at the moment, but somewhere in the region, I believe, of about 7 billion people on the planet. Is that roughly where we are, where the clever people are around here? Somewhere ballpark there. That means, and I know there are technicalities around this, but just bear with me for a moment. That means there are roughly three and a half billion people of the opposite gender on this earth. I get to pick one. I get to pick one. I want to make the right choice. I want to pick one who is pushing me towards Jesus. Out of those three and a half billion, there has to be one person who can inspire me to come towards Christ. I don't know, you guys are way, way too young for this, but many, many years ago, there was a, a TV show and movies and a later TV show about these immortal people who could never die. The Highlander. I don't know if any of you guys ever watched that. Yaku would have watched that. Uh, and they had swords, and they chopped off one another's heads, and it was amazing. But they had the slogan, there can be only one. There can be only one, even in those immortals. <laughs> but in your marriage, there can be only one. My yes to Yanetta is at the same time a no to every single other woman on this planet. And so when I make that yes, I want to have a little bit of confidence that I'm making a good yes. I don't want to, I heard somebody that, I, I think Yaku might have seen this guy as well, I'm not sure. I know Yanet has been sort of walking a road with the guy. He got married in November. Have you, been, have you seen him? I don't want to lie to you, Yaku, help me if I'm missing this. He got married in November, he got divorced in December. That's shocking. My prayer, my hope, and I'm not talking about December of the next year. <laughs> that his fiance, girlfriend, fiance, then wife, was already apparently, I believe, in a relationship with another man while she was standing at the aisle marrying the guy. That's scary. But at the same time, I believe that is not what God has in store for any of us if we will just go open-eyed into what we are doing. Do they inspire your faith and encourage you to pursue Jesus more? A B question to that. So firstly is, what is their effect on my faith? Secondly, and sort of a parallel question to that is, do they have faith? Do they have faith? Not only do they believe in Jesus, not only are they saved, and we'll look at that in a moment, do they have faith? Are they a people of faith? 
Are they able to extend faith when my wife or my husband, when my spouse one day is going to pray for me, are they going to have faith in that prayer? Do they trust Jesus? Because here's a little crazy thing you might not quite believe me saying, but I hope you hear the heart from which it comes from. In my marriage, I don't so much trust my wife. It's not that I distrust her. I trust Jesus. I trust Christ in her. And it's important for me that not so much that she trusts me, that she trusts Christ, that she has faith, that when we're in a situation, when we're going through stuff, she can trust in Jesus and know that's going to be okay even when I fail her. So this one, you're thinking, you're considering, firstly, what is their effect on your faith? Secondly, do they have faith? Are they a people of faith? Are they a person of faith? Are they somebody who trusts Jesus and can stand out in faith and they've grown in the beauty of faith? Do they set a standard of godliness in their lives? Here I do want to put a scripture because some people want to argue with me around these things. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 to 16. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. No, but I re she's really, really pretty. I don't care. <laughs> Does she follow Jesus? How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? That's quite a strong statement right there. But Philip, you don't understand how much I'm in love with him. What harmony can Christ have with the devil? not saying he is a devil, but if he's not following Christ, then you have to say that there is a clash of kingdoms right there in this most intimate relationship in your life. I didn't say this in the start. Perhaps I should have said this in the introduction. You will make in your life two decisions that more than any above every other decision that you will make in this life will set your course on earth and in eternity. The first one is whether you choose to follow Jesus or not. That decision and that relationship, head and shoulders above every other decision and every other relationship. And the second one is your spouse. It is the save for your relationship with Jesus, single most important decision and relationship you will ever have. There is no other decision or relationship on this earth that can come close to the magnitude and significance that it will have on your life. Do you want in that place to come home to a place every single day where there's a clash of kingdoms? Where God is leading me in a direction and my spouse doesn't even believe in that God who's leading me in a direction. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? What union can there be between God's temple and and idols, for we are the temple of the living God. You are the temple of the living God. I have been in student ministry and around students for, and I realize when I say this, some of you are going to laugh, since before a lot of you were born. I realized that the other day, that's scary. The number one thing that I have seen 
that pulls people away from the faith is an unhealthy relationship, romantic relationship. It is the number one thing that trips our faith. The number one thing that keeps us from pursuing the purposes of God in our life is we get entangled and we don't just obey Scripture in every way. But if they're not following Jesus, trust me, they're not perfect. They will trip you up and your primary relationship in life, your relationship with Christ, will suffer. It's not a might suffer. It's not a maybe. It's not, I think I'm strong enough, I can do this. I promise you right now, you will suffer. You might not completely suffer shipwreck of your faith. You might not completely walk away from Christ, but it will be incredibly hard for you to continue to follow Christ. So that's the first, the, the faith, the Jesus faith element part, which has to be absolutely central. But there's another question when it comes to faith, and this is, do you have faith in them? Are they a faithful person? Do they stir faith in you? When they make a promise, do you have faith that they're going to keep the promise? Can you trust them is perhaps a, another way of doing that. Their character, their person, is that something that you can rationally look at if you look past all yourself? Can I? And all the weak knees and all of the other feelings. And you ask yourself, can I trust this? Do I have faith in them? Am I willing to commit my life into their care and know that they're going to do a good job with it? On a very practical um, level later on, am I willing to commit my children to them? Do I have faith in who they are, in their decision-making, in their judgment? Do I have faith in them? See, love is great and love is the most important, but I have to have faith. Do you? We'll look at hope in a moment and love, and I need to be a lot quicker. Okay. Do you have faith in them? Something that I've learned in my time of marriage counseling and working with married couples, and a lot of people sort of don't quite get this when I say it at first. But 99, the vast majority, 95, 99%, somewhere around that, I haven't done the exact, but somewhere around that, the very vast majority of marital issues Guess what? They're not marital issues. They're personal, individual character issues that manifests in a marriage. It is something about that person or about those two people. It's very, very rarely that couples who have really big challenges that it's authentic. It's an issue with our marriage. That is the person of the discussions we have. It's almost always there is a problem with the person, with the character, with their conduct. And so you have to ask yourself, do I trust? Do I have faith in them? It's the first element. There are three that will last forever. We're wanting to be happily ever after. And there are three things that will last forever. And the first one is faith. The second one is hope. Hope. Hope starts in Jesus. We know as an aside that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So guess what? Hope precedes faith even together. Or can you dream about a future together? 
When you think of your future together, are you excited by it or are you intimidated by it? Do you fear a future with this person or do you longingly await a future with this person? And I know that almost sounds silly to need to say it, but I've had to sit sometimes with people in a relationship and you ask, they, can, they say they're afraid of all of these things and it comes down to the fact that they don't have hope for a future together. And then my question is, and why are you even together? But my mom likes him so much. Well, then your mom can marry him. But he has all of this potential. Can we just quickly speak into that for a moment? If I can ask you one thing, two things, please never ever do in marriage. Number one, do not marry an unbeliever. And number two, do not marry potential. Do not marry somebody for what you believe or who you believe they can become. Because what if they don't become that? If they stay exactly as they are the day you get married, will you be happily, will you be content with that? Is that enough for you? Because especially ladies, guess what? He's not going to change. <laughs> Guys, she is going to change. You've got no clue how that's going to work, but don't worry. The character, the person's not going to change, but the way that she reacts in situations, just women are beautiful like that. We love exploring women, and the good news is you can just explore your same wife for the rest of your life repeatedly because she changes. But the nature, the character, the underlying doesn't change. You cannot marry and say, oh, I'm marrying because I know this is going to change. It's not going to change. It might change who they are in an encounter with Christ. We can't script that. We don't know how that is going to work. But where do you see the two of you going? Can you hope for a future together? Not for who he will be one day, who she will be one day. I'm not saying don't have those hopes as well. But right now, this person that I've gotten to know over these last few weeks or months or however long it's been, as they are right now, am I willing to marry them? And let me just put this out there. If their answer is no, then don't marry them yet. If there are some things that you can see that are working, God is working through them, that is one thing. And you hold on to that. You say, well, let's see these things come to pass first before we get married. That's a great answer. And I also just say, don't postpone that indefinitely. At some stage, you've got to realize this isn't going to change. You know, like if he's been going out with you for six years and you're not 21 anymore and he hasn't married you, he's probably not going to marry you. It's one thing if we're still studying and we're waiting kind of for, to finish studying in school and those things and then we get married and it happens to be a six, seven, eight year type of thing. You know, that's one thing in that scenario. But if we in our late 20s and we've been going out for six or seven years or early 30s or whatever it is and he hasn't married you, he's probably not going to marry you. And why do I say that? Because if he was going to marry you, he would have married you already. And you either need to sit a very honest conversation with him and say, listen, are we going to get married or not? What are you waiting for? And if he doesn't have a very, very good answer for that, you need to ask yourself then, and why hasn't, what is it that is in his heart that is 
making it hard for him to commit. No, but he's just trying to sort his life out, whatever. Well, you're welcome to sort your life out. Call me back when you've sorted it out. There's a place where we need to be responsible as well with our own lives. Because I can just, can I throw something else in here? Every moment you spend with a person who is not your spouse is a moment that you cannot spend with a person who is your spouse. Most of us, we want to be godly in the way that we pursue Christ. So imagine this for a moment. You walk into a thing, into an environment, and you meet this guy, this girl, and you're like, wow, they're really, something about them draws her or whatever. You realize, oh, wait, a bit better. And then five or ten minutes later or whatever, you realize, oh, wait, they have a boyfriend, they have a girlfriend. As a godly, God-fearing person, what's your response going to be? Okay, I'm, I'm going to back off. That's the right thing to do. <laughs> and kind of, my wife can tell the story. It's her story more than my story. But when she met me, I was going out with another girl. And she was very disappointed when she found out because the girl told them about this boyfriend of hers or whatever. And they were in a small group together. And then she found out it was me. And my wife had to kind of say, okay, well, let me lay that down. It's obviously not going to happen. And that's the right thing to do. But guess what? If you're in that relationship with the wrong person, the right person can come around, look at you, be in the relationship with the wrong person, and because they're the right person, they're going to back off. Does that make sense? It's one thing kind of if you're not in a relationship as such yet, you know, just throwing a whole bunch of things out there. But you guys get my point there. The longer you stay in that relationship, it's one thing if you're in that relationship thinking it's the right relationship. Stay in it. If you're in that relationship and you know it's not the right one, then get out. The longer you stay in it, the harder you make it for the other person. They could come, they could say, wow, she's really amazing, she's got a boyfriend. I'm not going to dwell on this, let me go look elsewhere. Does that make sense? Just as an aside, as well, relationships are beautiful and they're precious. But as well, every coffee date is not a marriage proposal. Right? Every coffee date is not a marriage proposal. Don't be afraid to go on coffee dates. There we go. Ayaku, someone's excited about that. Don't be afraid to get to know people, obviously within healthy spaces and healthy boundaries and all of those things. But just because the guy is going to ask you for a coffee date doesn't mean you have to marry him. You might actually be surprised that you like him more than you thought you would. I'm sure you wouldn't mind me saying this. They wouldn't mind me saying this. Some of you will remember Meryl. She was a worship leader with us for a long time. Some of you watch Survivor. She's been on Survivor recently. And her husband, Michal, they were great friends. They were really, really good friends. They were at varsity. They were interns at the church office when I was a student pastor. And we were really, uh, really close and good, really good friends. And they were really good friends. And then one day, he invited her for a milkshake. And she was upset. She was angry with him. Because why would he go and spoil the good friendship they have? Here we are, I don't know, 10 years later or whatever it is, three children. It worked. Sometimes just be open to the coffee date. It's not a marriage proposal. 
It doesn't have to happen. There are, it doesn't have to be an expectation every time anyway. I think you get the point there. Okay, we need to finish up. Faith. Do they have faith? Do they inspire faith in you, your faith closer to Christ? And do you have faith in them, in their person? Hope. When you look and think about a potential future together, are you hopeful about that? Not hopeful about all of the things that are going to change. That's a bad, that's an orange, if not a red light. But hopeful about just being together. Can you dream? Can you look forward? I'm going to love being with this person forever. And then lastly, love. Be in love. Don't run away from love. I spoke in the week about the word in Song of Solomon, which is all about love. For those of you who haven't read the book, great book to read. But it's all about sort of, firstly, God's love for us and God's pursuit of us as His lover. But at the same time, it also speaks about human love. And at least three times in the Song of Solomon, this verse or something along this says, O daughters of Jerusalem, daughters of Israel, do not awaken love. Do not stir up love before it is time. Specifically there, it speaks about eros and physical love, um, sexual kind of sexuality, etc. Just, just don't go there until it's the right time. But love in all of its aspects, in the right time, in the right place. Obviously, I'm talking about romantic love here. Love your neighbor all the time. Love your neighbor all the time. But we're not talking about romantic love in that context. Romantic love at the right time. How do we know if it's love? It's am I willing to sacrifice for them? So often, we think love is all about how they make me feel. I feel so good when I've been with them. That coffee date was amazing. I feel great. I love it when he sends me a WhatsApp or a whatever it is. I feel so good. Guess what? Who do I love in those times? I love myself. I love how I feel because of this person. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying don't run away from that, but recognize it for what it is. It's a form of selfish love. Because I'm loving because of what I get. True love grows beyond that and becomes, now I get to love because of what I can give. I want to give for this person. I want to sacrifice for this person. I love paying for dinner for this person. There's a great test. If you have to fight about who is paying in the sense of your turn, no, 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 you must pay, no, you must pay. I'm so thankful I'm not in a marriage with somebody who all the time is just trying to get from me, who is keeping an account of whose turn it is to pay. I want to be in a relationship with someone who, if it's in my capacity to pay, I'll pay. I want to pay because I want to give for you. I want to sacrifice for you. And at the start of the relationship, that's easy. It's easy to buy flowers and it's easy to send messages. It's easy to give, give, give early on because of the feeling that we get back. True love, we read exactly in 1 Corinthians 13, many other places, but I just want to read these few verses for us. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Jealousy there, obviously, we're not talking about it's fine, you can just hang around with every other guy as well while we date. That's not what we're saying. But love isn't jealous of the other person. I actually like that you do better than me. 
I like, I'm drawn to the fact that you are more successful than I am. As a matter of fact, what I want to do, I want to get behind you and lift you up and see you be as successful as you possibly can. And I'm not jealous of your success at all. That's what we're talking about here. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not joyous about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And we have faith, hope, and love, which lasts forever. Don't go blindly into those relationships. And it's one thing getting to know, obviously, at the start, we don't always know. I just really enjoy being around this person. We're going to spend more time with this person. That's great at the start. As it develops, as this question becomes a real question, is this the person I want to spend the rest of my life with? Do they inspire faith in me? Are they people of faith? Do they encourage me to grow in my faith? Do I have faith in them? Do I have hope about them and our lives together? And then, is there genuine love? Not just infatuation, but love. There's a, love, there's a being in love. In marriage, the in love comes and goes. That's the emotion. That's the feeling. The butterflies, the warmth. I can't wait to go on a date tonight. The love is what underpins it all. The love is what we read here. The love is in their weakness and in their failure and in my struggles. That's where love carries through. You see, we're not normally in love when the other person fails us. But we love them when they fail us. Someone, love said, I love Someone once said, and I love this, we are in love because of the other person, because of who they are, because of what they do. We love them despite what they do. We love them even though we realize they are imperfect. Your perfect spouse will not be a perfect person. If you are looking for perfection, I've got very sad news for you. You're going to die alone. They are not perfect. The perfect person is not perfect because you're not perfect. We all have our failures. We all have our weaknesses. Many of them, love covers a multitude of sins. Many of them we can cover, we can say, I can live with that. I am okay, ladies, with a guy who leaves his socks on the floor. Or who doesn't always wash the dishes immediately. We can work on that a little bit. I'm okay with them being a different person to me. I'm, there are some things that I, I learned to be okay with. There are some things that I cannot learn to be okay with. I cannot learn to be okay with someone who I don't have hope in and doesn't have hope in me. I cannot be okay with waking up before I'm married and dreading the day that we are 30 or 40 or 50 years old together. I cannot be okay with not having hope that they're going to be a good parent to our children. Those are things which when we look at them, we should say, probably not. I know some people who have felt God speaking to them, giving them a clear name, a picture. They said, that is your husband, that is your wife. And I guess there's a time for that. If the Lord tells you that, can I ask you, please, 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 don't tell the other person. 
Don't ever go up to somebody and say, you know what, the Lord told me you are my wife or my husband. And if somebody does tell that to you, please do one thing, run. As far as you can, as fast as you can. They obviously don't have any spiritual, emotional maturity yet. You don't want to be near them. They might be your husband or your wife, but not now. Trust me. Look at finding the happily ever after. For my wife and I, it was completely different. And I guess there are different ways to approach this, but you know, I cannot say that God ever said to me that I must marry Yaneta. What he did ask me is, do I want to marry Yaneta? And after I'd gotten to know her and after I'd worked through some of these things and I'd gotten good on. So these are the type of things where God normally holds questions we must ask. And then I believe the question that God normally holds before us is, do you want to marry them? Knowing what you know, seeing who they are, is this the person you want to spend the rest of your life with? And if God doesn't give you a clear no, the people around you, they're all comfortable. The people who love, the people that you trust, that you can speak into your life, they look at your relationship and they say, we can see God in this relationship. Then pursue it and run with it. You don't have to sit until seven angels appear and four dreams and then only we live. There's drawing to Christ. No. There's a drawing to one another. There's drawing to Christ in our drawing together. If this person inspires faith in me and I can have faith in their character, if I've got a hope for a future together and I really have a genuine experience of love towards them, then you ask yourself the question, do I want to? And I'm so thankful that God allowed me to make that decision in that way. Because tomorrow morning when I wake up, and perhaps I'm upset with Yoneta for whatever something may have happened, I cannot say, but God, you made me marry her. No, God says, Philip, you chose to marry her. Yes, I did, Jesus, because I love her. So God, help me to love her like you love your church. Can we stand together as we pray? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for some of us this evening. I want to pray for your marriage partner. I want to pray for you that God would give you wisdom and lead you. And then I also want to pray for some of us this evening. If you're here and you've been hurt and wounded in a relationship, that you're afraid to step into this, and I'm not saying run after every guy and every girl, just get into a relationship for the sake of relationship. That's not what I'm saying. But if there is something inside of you that fears marriage and relationship, maybe like me, you come from a broken home, or maybe you've just been through a bad relationship and you need Jesus to come and heal, we want to pray with you tonight. Because I have a hope and I have an expectation that as I look around this room, that one day I'll get a wedding invite from each of you. That every one of you will have that day where you're able to say, God has been faithful. And He has added to me the desire of my heart in this place. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you tonight that you have made a way. And Jesus, I want to pray just for every one of us before anything else tonight, that Lord, as much as we are looking 
for the right person, Lord, we would know that you are the right person. That you would have that place of preeminence in our lives above everything else, Lord. We want to look to you, Jesus. We want to commit our lives to you. We want to know and follow you, Lord. And as we do that, Lord, we bring these hopes, we bring these desires for a spouse before you, God. God, we pray for wisdom and for guidance. Lord, we pray that we may get to know them in a precious, beautiful, pure way, Lord God. We pray, God, that you would stir faith in our hearts and faith in theirs, God, that as we enter into this relationship, it would be something that presses us nearer to you, Lord God, that you would deposit hope in our hearts, Lord, and that you would be the author of love upon us, Lord, and among us. God, we pray that there would be faith, hope, and love, that the three of those would always remain. In Jesus' name, God, as I said earlier, God, I just want to speak over them. God, I come and break the lie in Jesus' name. Lord, that says anyone here has missed it, Lord, because we hold on to the redemption of the blood of Jesus, Lord. We hold on to the cross, Lord. We hold on to that you can and have always made a way, Lord. And we want to see, God, we ask that you would come and make that way. God, come and change inside of us what needs to change, Lord God. We realize that sometimes the biggest obstacle to our relational success has been ourselves, Lord. And so we bring that before you and we ask for grace. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. If you're here tonight and you need prayer around that, maybe you know that Jesus isn't your first love. Step one, we would love to pray with you around that. And if you've been hurt or you have a fear of relationship, marriage, you have a fear that maybe you've missed it, we want to pray with you that God would come and heal and set you free. Otherwise, have a great evening further. There's coffee and tea outside. Hang around, have some coffee and tea, but please don't leave before you allow us to pray with you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.